You're listening to the Harbor Worship Center podcast with Pastor Mike Saint. For more information about the Harbor Worship Center, please visit us at harborwc.com. Enjoy today's message. Yes, the statement is true. It is for all people, for all times, and for every problem. So we've talked about unshakable love, and that was mom. We, we dealt with that. We talked about unshakable faith last week and on Wednesday night. Today I want to talk about an unshakable bond. And I want to just jump into this, if I may. But I'd like to read verse 16 and 17 of the book of Ruth. Um, if you have it, say amen. I hadn't said amen yet because I don't have it. There it is. Anyway, but entreat me not to leave, Ruth said, or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. And um, where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Now, what you don't understand is, at just a cursory glance, this is a woman by the name of Ruth that is saying this. But you've got to understand that she did not grow up a Jew. She didn't grow up a Christian. She grew up worshiping the God of the Moabites called Chemosh. <clears throat> she grew up in a pagan society. Um, and... She come to this faith because of marrying uh, one of the sons of Elimelech and Naomi. And um, in fact, if I could just give you a little bit of history, what they did, they left the land of Judah, Bethlehem Judah, uh, namely, uh, it means literally the house of bread because there was a famine in the land. And you can read all this in chapter 1 of Ruth because God was literally punishing the place. And when the famine got so sore, Elimelech said to his wife Naomi, we have got to find food, so let's go. They never consulted God. They never talked to their pastor. They never did this or that. They just left. The Bible records that they went to Moab and tended to stay just a little while. When they got to Moab, they ended up staying 10 years because when they got there, Elimelech got sick and died. It wasn't long that Malon and Chilion, the two boys, married Moabite women. Here's a good lesson for you. If you go out in the world, Moab represented the world. Jerusalem was home. Jerusalem and Judah represented the church. When you go out into the world, guess what? Your children are going to attach themselves to the world. They both married Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. And in the process of just a few short years, Melon and Chilion got sick and they both died. So now Elimelech, Naomi, Melon, and Chilion have left the house of bread, Bethlehem, Judah, and went to Moab into a far country. Now daddy's dead and the two boys are dead. And you've got Naomi, which her, her name meant pleasant and beautiful. And here she is with two um, foreign pagan daughter-in-laws, Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. She hears after 10 years. That few days turned into a long time. I'll be right back. I'm just going to you know, sit this one out a little while. I'll be right back. And some people do that about church. Well, I don't agree with what the last decision of the council was or the pastor of the church. And so I'm just going to hang out for a little while. And you intend to stay out for a month or two until it passes and you get over it. And next thing you know, you're out 10 years. 
Or worse, like Elimelech and Naomi, uh, Elimelech, Melon, and Chilion, who die out in the world. But nonetheless, Ruth decides, or Naomi says, I've heard there's bread back in the house of bread. I'm going to go home. She gathers her daughter-in-laws up and she kisses them and she says, uh, stay here. I- I'm going home. I don't have nothing else to live for. And Orpah kissed her and said goodbye. Ruth looked at her and said, entreat me not to leave. For I'm not going to stay here and I'm not letting you go without me. But where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your country will be my country. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And where you live, I'll live. And where you die, I'll die. And there will also be buried and laid. May God, may your Lord do unto me more so if I let anything separate me from this bond, from this vow. What I learned as I looked at that little story is, as Dr. Tim Hill said, you find in life and in the church especially there are kissers and cleavers. Huh? Are y'all with me? Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and said goodbye. Boy, have I had that Judas kiss a time or two. And then there's cleavers where Ruth grabbed her and cleaved unto her and said those powerful words. I want to talk with you about bonds today, if the Lord would help me. And here's what I want you to understand today. You need to know that our Father in Heaven, God, has made an unshakable bond to you and I. Now that word bond is simply promise, pledge, vow, oath. Are you with me? Say amen. That's what it literally means. But He has made some precious promises to you and I. He has made some vows that the Bible says God is not a man that He should lie. Let every man be a liar. And all the women said amen. But God be true. God cannot lie. Are you with me? Say amen. So he has made us some precious promises that he cannot break, that he will not break. He is not a man that he should lie. And the promises of God are in him, yea and amen. Mm. Hallelujah. So God has given me and God has given you an unshakable vow. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked on this great Memorial Day. He has given me the unshakable vow that I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. There's times where I have to stop. At the operating room door, I've had to stop them many times. I've gone back to pray with, you know, with people that had anything from an ingrown toenail to a heart bypass. Or a liver transplant. And I stood there and I prayed, but I had to let them go. And say, God bless you, we're praying for you, we're believing for you. And through the doors they went into the cold operating room. But Jesus gave an unshakable bond and said... That I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I am Jehovah Shammah. That literally means the God who is there. And it doesn't matter where you are today. He is right there. You could be in the valley today and he's there. You could be in the ditch and he is there. You could be in a bad situation and he is there. You could have gotten fired yesterday and he is there. You could have no groceries in the cupboard and he is there. He is indeed a friend that sticks closer than a brother. An unshakable bond. He has said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Furthermore, he has said as he went away, I'll be back. It is expedient for you to go away, that I go away. 
Because if I don't go away, I cannot send you the Comforter. i got a lot of things I want to tell you right now, but you can't take it without the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to go away, and you'll know I got to heaven when you receive the Holy Spirit and endowment with power from on high. Amen? To that dunamis power for service. But know this, that just as sure as the Holy Spirit comes, signifying that I made it back to heaven, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there we may be also. The last words he said, I'll be back. Some of the last words. I'll be back. Matter of fact, angels, two men in white apparel, at the sides of the mountain of ascension, they said, Why do you stand gazing into this heaven, ye men of Galilee? For this same Jesus that you've seen go in like manner shall come again. Amen. I'll be back. So he's made you and I an unshakable bond. I'm going to tell you, Islam can't stop him from coming back. Uh, the administration in the White House, whatever it may be, Republican, Democrat, whoever, they can't stop him from coming back. Jesus is coming back. The United Nations can't stop him. Amen. It doesn't matter. He's coming back. He says, not only will I never leave you, I'll be a friend. Not only I'm coming back. He says, I'll be there. I'll be there for you. Um, he says, I'll provide. Philippians, he wrote, uh, but uh, my God shall. So 4.19, Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all of my according to his riches and glory. It is a divine promise for the Christian that God is going to supply all of our needs. Does he care about our needs? Yes. Does he care about your wants? Yes. Delight thyself in the Lord, he says, and I'll even give thee the desires of thy heart. Are you with me? Y'all didn't know he cared about what you want. Yeah, he does. He wants, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. He said, delight yourself. In other words, be excited in God. Be happy in God. Be fulfilled in Him. And when we do these things, He will often change our desires, but He will give us the desires of our heart. He's made us, uh, God has made us an unshakable bond. Look at your neighbor and say, God has made us an unshakable bond. He says, I'll protect you. He says, though the enemy comes in like a flood, I'll raise up a standard against him. Do you not know that the Bible says he held the waters of the world in the hollow of his hands? He said to the violent, vehement waves, you can come this far and then you must stop. I was in Fernandina Beach the other day. I took my mom and dad down there twice. And uh, got Dad out in the water about this deep. We were throwing the football around. We were having a great time. And I remember a wave just, I mean, just trucked him right on over. And I, he got back up. And, you know, we had a great time together. And uh, we just sat down in water about that deep. and just let, I mean, we just sat there probably for 45 minutes or so and just talked. Let the water just, I, I mean, uh, just wash us up and pull us back. Wash in. But the Lord says the waves stop right here. He can do that. Wednesday night, oh, if you miss Wednesday night, he is the only one that can suspend the laws. Are you with me? Uh, yes, he's the only one that can suspend those properties of like gravity and thermodynamics. And oh, and Lord, I don't have time for all that. But he made us a promise. He says, I'll protect you when the enemy comes in. He says, no, no matter what it is, though the rivers rise, they'll not overflow you. Huh? How can he make such a promise? I want to tell you something. He rides on the wings of the wind. Are you with me? Maybe that's why I like skydiving so much. Amen. Anyway, he said he rides. He makes the cloud his chariot and rides on the wings.
wings of the wind and walks on water. He can go anywhere. David said, if I ascend into the heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in the lowest hell, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, lo, thou art there also. Give him praise. So, he's made us an unshakable bond. Not only to protect and be there and uh, come back and never leave us. He also made us a bond that says, I'll forgive you. I don't care what you've done today. I don't care how bad, how heinous, how ugly, how much everybody in this room would want to kill you if they knew it. Jesus said, I'll forgive you. All manner of sin may be forgiven man except that of the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? Say amen. And that has to be knowingly and willingly done. He says, I, I'll forgive you. It, it's hard, it's almost incomprehensible for me to, to, uh, to forgive a child molester. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But nonetheless, through the grace of God, God can do what you and I can't do. God can cause you and I to forgive people that we ordinarily would not. Well, let me go. I, I need to move on. He's made us a vow. And this vow is for everyone on planet Earth that He has created. Everyone bond and free. Everyone small and great. Everyone rich or poor. He has said, if you'll call on me, I'll forgive you. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised His Son Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What an unshakable bond. Her name was Rifka Berry. She was born in Sri Lanka um, to parents who were devout in the Muslim faith. This beautiful young girl, and we may have some pictures, there she is, um, went through hell on earth. She found out that Islam was not a peace-loving religion. Her dad and mom were very devout. They could not sing songs. All they could sing is the Quran. They had to learn it in Arabic. They didn't even know what the words meant. They just repeat them. They say it like a chime or a chant. And she said, I had to learn it to please my father. In an accident one day when she was five or six years old, her brother threw a metal airplane across the room, hit her in her right eye, and devastated the nerves in her eye. It would never be the same. She would never see again out of her right eye. From that moment forth, she says, I was treated like nothing. Matter of fact, women in Islam, for the most part, don't mean much anyway. You're a possession. Ladies of America, you have it made, let me tell you. Ladies of Christianity, you have it made. Because the women of Islam are property. They are there for a couple of things. And one of them is to cook, the other is to have sex and to have children. Are you with me? And, and that's just how it is. An uncle came over one day to babysit her when she was six years old. In a drunken stupor, cigarettes on his breath, he raped her. This went on and on and on and on again. Um, young, six years old, seven years old, eight years old, she said, I hated, I hated what I lived in. I hated when my uncle came. My dad never stayed home. He's always gone. He, you know, he's never there. And when he is there, I'm getting slapped around. I'm getting knocked down. I'm being beaten for almost nothing. She lived a horrible, horrible life. You can find the book on Amazon. It's called Hiding in the Light. I've read over half of it in the last few days. 
But she come to, uh, she moved from Sri Lanka to uh, New York City. Her dad came there for business. She met a friend one day. Friends pretty much was taboo. You, you didn't mess around outside of your faith. However, when she came to America, New York being so multicultural, she met a little girl. She's about eight, eight or nine years old now. Girl and said, would you come over to my house? They were having a small group at home. She said, can you come over? She said, well, I don't know if I can come over. My dad won't let me come over. She said, well, all we're doing is praying. She said, praying? Because they had to pray five times a day. They had to pray words that they didn't even know. They had, praying for them was obligatory. It was a, it was something you had to do. It was not a relationship with God or Allah as they call their God. But, but it was something that you had to do because a mean God was looking down at you and was ready to strike you. So she went in for a short prayer and she, she was so condemned and so scared of what might happen because in that society, if you convert to Christianity, that is the ultimate sin. So she later um, met a girl at school, uh, that she, or that girl, she, she made a bond with her, but then dad moved to another state. And um, so now she's in another, I think it was Ohio, and she meets another girl. This girl befriends her and one day asks her, would you come to church with me? And she's like, oh, wow, I don't know about that. So she's having to lie to her mom and daddy. She said, I felt horrible about lying to my mom and dad, but I had to lie to them to be able to go with her to church. But I so wanted to see what was behind the doors of that church. She said, I got in there and I saw a beautiful place where obviously they were a, a cutting-edge church and they had modern things for little children. She said, I've never seen nothing like this in my whole life. I've never seen where, uh, where, where children were, were ministered to like that. And she didn't know, know Jesus. She didn't know God. She didn't know any. All she knew was Islam. But she said um, later in life, well, that girlfriend invited her to a service. She made up some lie to tell her mom and dad. She came to service with her friend. And she said, I could not believe it. I could not believe it. They were singing beautiful songs. Beautiful songs. She said, I watched in sheer amazement. And she said, I don't know what I was feeling, but I was feeling something that Islam didn't have. I didn't know who Jesus was. I didn't know about God. All I knew was Allah and the Koran and all of that. And I knew that we would be in trouble severely if I got caught doing what I was doing. She said, but they began to sing the songs. And she said, it, it, it was just such an atmosphere. And it was a little dark. She said, but something I felt. And she said, I looked at an older lady. A couple rose up in front of me. Had both hands in the air. Tears just streaming down onto her blouse. And she, she, she noticed every detail. The, the tear drops on her blouse and on the, the seat. And uh, she said, I, I just couldn't believe such... What was I feeling in this place? She said, and then the music stopped. And the man they called Pastor, she said, I never knew anything but an imam. She said, but a man but they called him Pastor came up and he wanted to talk to us today. And he said some things and she said, I literally hung on every word that came out of his mouth. And he kept talking about this Jesus fellow. And he kept talking about the freedom that we could have in Jesus. And she said, I was just intrigued. And then he'd done something, you see, because she didn't want to be noticed at all. But then he invited everyone to what he called the altar down front. And she said, I so wanted to go. I so wanted to lift my hands. 
like that woman was doing. And I wanted to get down there. She said, but something, I couldn't be found out. And she said, but all of a sudden, something clicked in me, and I don't know what it was. I just stepped. And she said, I stepped. I never made it there. I melted just right into the floor about, you know, third of the way down the aisle or something like that. And she said, there I was, and just sobbing and weeping uncontrollably. And she said, I didn't know who Jesus was, but I know what I was feeling. I didn't know what church was, but I knew. She said, one thing I can tell you was Islam was not right, and whatever I was feeling was. She said, this that came over me, and then my friend, I felt an embrace. And she said, it must seem like hours. It wasn't hours, but it seemed like it because the people were starting to dissipate. They were closing services still at the floor. All of a sudden, she oh, my goodness, what time is it? And she realized that I'm supposed to be home. Anyway, she took a severe beating for, for going. And, but eventually, here's what she said. I wish I had time to tell you all this. Her confession is this. She said, first of all, I realize my only option is not an option at all. Everything is on the line. Everything for my life. She would later write, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. I refuse to deny Him, nor will I ever. I pray and hope you find His mercy, your lo- His love and forgiveness. Love you both dearly. That's the, the note. In fact, I'm going to read it in its entirety. If the Lord will help me in just a moment. That's the note she left on her pillow when she left her mom and dad's. Never to return. She made a vow to God. She barely knew him. Let me, let, let me show you this. This is so important that God made an unshakable bond to us. And here's why you need to know that. Because if we know that he's made such a bond to us, if he's made such a promise to someone in Sri Lanka where everybody hated her, it seemed, if he's made such a promise to the one that is in the gutter and he's with them, that promise is good for them, it's good for you, it's good for me. But the implications of that promise is life-changing because with such a promise, I can go on because he said, I'll be with you. I'll stick with you. I'll provide for you. I'll be there for you. I'll forgive you. I'll come back and get you. I can live life with hope and assurance. Here's what I need you to do. Because... He made such a bond to me, such a vow, such a pledge, such an oath. And I've only mentioned a handful. The Bible is filled with the promises of God. And then I think about Ruth, who was in this foreign country, and I thought it was a great contrast. She's in Moab, and Ruth says, you know what, you know, can I tell you what's happened? In both instances, they saw a friend who was filled with the love of God. Yeah, Ruth saw her mother-in-law Naomi. Rivka saw her friend. And uh, she began to want it. She began to strive for it. Ruth made the vow and said, don't ask me to leave. Don't ask me to turn back. Where you go, I'm going to go. Where you lodge, I'm going to lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I'll die. There will I be buried. And the Lord do so me, uh, to me also and more, if anything but death separates us. What an amazing thing for a Moabite girl to make such a vow to Naomi. She wasn't raised in that system. She wasn't raised to worship God. She was raised to worship Chemosh, the God of the Moabites. But everything changed. But everything changed when she met Naomi. And she saw her and she saw the life. So listen, if you don't make the vow, God, He's made the vow. But if you don't make the vow, if you don't 
make the pledge if you don't make the oath to God. If you don't do it, guess what? You'll never live the life. I know people today, right now today, who is trying their best. They're doing like this. They're straddling the fence with everything in them. They, they, in their heart, they want to serve God, but they want to hold on to the world as well. Struggling this or that. God or the world. Listen, I'm not saying that you live like a hermit and that you never... Uh, listen, we can't do that. Jesus, even himself... Uh, lived among sinners and publicans and wine-bibbers and even they called him that. I'm not saying that you think you're better than them or that you put yourself up here and look at them down there. No. But the Bible says we can live among them and be lights in this world, be salt on this earth. Are you hearing me? We can be a representative of Jesus Christ in, in, in the most horrid places you could ever dream. Listen, if you don't make this vow... You'll never stay true to Him. But if you make this vow, God will help you keep it. But you have to decide, what am I going to do? You have to decide, am I going to do this really? If you make this vow, if you take this stand... God will help you stand. Rivka Berry looked at her life and said, Christianity might not be the answer, but one thing for sure, Islam is not. She learned that Jesus was. Here's the full letter that she wrote her mom and dad as she laid it on their pillow. It's not long. And now my parents knew it too. So in the cover of the early morning darkness, it was fast slipping away. Mom and dad was still sleeping. Dad had cut his trip short. He was on his way home. I had to get out of there. I knew it in order to survive. It was the only way I could escape the penalty. Not for any crime that I had committed, but for what I believed and who I had come to believe in. I wrote this note with trembling hands in the final desperate moments, inches before sneaking from my bedroom to the front door and out into the unknown. I wrote, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I refuse to deny Him, nor will I ever deny Him. I pray and hope that you find His mercy and forgiveness. Love you both dearly. Rivka. I took this last one look over my room that had been my refuge. I propped the note on my pillow and whispered a breathless goodbye and was gone. She made a vow to love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of her heart, with all of her soul, with all of her strength, with all of her might, and it cost her her entire family. She walked away from Islam, which literally meant she had to walk away from her family. She come to the United, or she was already in the United States, but it went to the high courts for them to decide because she was not yet of age. Now she lives separate, serving God, a Christian, and praying one day that God would reveal himself to her Muslim family. I want to ask you to stand with me, if you will, because she had to make a decision. And you too have to make a decision. All of us do. 
I told you that God had given an unshakable bond. I'm talking about a, a bond. Listen, there's nobody can stop him from being near you when you need him. Unshakable bond. He made a bond that said, I'll be there with you. Three Hebrew boys went into the fire. Nebuchadnezzar looked into a glass and said, didn't we throw three men in that fire? Bound? His men said, yes. He said, well, I see four men in the fire. And the fourth man looks like the Son of God. I'm telling you, no matter where you're at, the unshakable bond says God will go with you. Matter of fact, God said to Israel, when I punish you and I drive you from Jerusalem, when I drive you away from this land, when, I, when they were seated down by the river Kibar, Ezekiel said, God came with us. Even though we were being punished, he said, God said, even when I drive you out from me, I still go with you. I'll go in the desert with you. I'll go in the wilderness with you. And right beside the brook of Kibar where he hung their harps on the willow trees. And they said, how can we sing our song in a foreign land? One of them said, because God is with us even in judgment, even in punishment. God is with us. I want to tell you something. There's some people right now that have broken the law. They've murdered. They've raped. They've maimed. They've done this and that and the other. And they've asked God to forgive them. And he has. And behind cold bars in a damp cell somewhere right now, somebody just rejoices in the fact that they feel the presence of the Lord. Though society has banished them. And they sit waiting for execution. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. But that don't mean their soul has to be doomed for hell. The Lord will forgive if we'll ask Him. He's made an unshakable bond with me and with you. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at harborwc.com.